Fear, an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. To be afraid of someone or something as likely to be dangerous, painful, or threatening. This week, Elaine and I talk about the trials that we just went through and how we spent six days in the hospital while my wife fought for her life. This episode's different, but it's very, very deep. And so I really urge you to listen through because there's a lot in this that's good. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. This is episode 17, and today Elaine and I are just going to talk about a very hard week we've had. Uh, There may be a few more pauses in this episode, maybe a few more breaths. We're not really going to edit this much because we want to keep the emotion behind it. So this episode's a little different, but we know it's going to be a good thing, and I'm hoping it touches your life. So I'm going to let Elaine just open up a little bit about what we've been going through this last week. So, what was it, two weeks? A week and a half ago? Yeah. Um, I started having, well, I was admitted to the ER because I thought that I had um, some UTI problems. Something that me and Cody had kind of gone through right after our honeymoon when we got married that I actually had a really bad kidney infection and I was actually hospitalized for three days for that and so um we felt that the onset of this UTI stuff like we wanted to nip it in the bud and just like get medicine for it so we went to a walk-in clinic and um we were offered some antibiotics that I had taken before but we said no because we didn't really feel like I had actually went through six different rounds of this one antibiotic (coughs) early last year and so we were like no we want some we want to try something different and within two to three hours my symptoms just got completely worse I thought I had the flu. I had really, I had taken a shower, came home, take a sh- I took, I came home and took a shower and then I had really bad chills and my fever started spiking up. My neck started, was, my neck started getting stiff and I just, it was really bad and we get to the hospital and I get sick in the parking lot and like this is the worst pain I've ever felt in my entire life. I thought I was dying, like it was way past the 10 number on the scale of pain. Um, I I guess after I got sick, I felt a little better, but um, I went in and they had kind of given me some morphine and just to try to help the pain and stuff. And so for a minute I was okay and they actually considered uh, the option of me being able to go home that night, but... For whatever reason, we ended up, I talked 
with my parents and we kind of talked it over and just kind of decided that it'd be best if I stayed overnight. Within a couple more hours after that, my symptoms just skyrocketed. My heartbeat at one point was 160. My blood pressure was high. Bottomed, no, it bottomed yeah, out. Yeah, no, bottomed out. <clears throat> um, my temperature was at 103. Um, I had severe chills for like three hours. And like I thought I was dying. And it was just awful. And I ended up being hospitalized for six days. And for those days, my body just kept fighting whatever was going on. They couldn't, they still don't even 100% know what the outcome was now. But they were pretty sure that I had actually had an allergic reaction to the initial medicine that I was taking for the UTI symptoms. And that's, I was, I was fighting the UTI stuff. And then I took the medicine, had a reaction. And it actually ended up being like, they thought I had meningitis. Can I ch chime in there real quick? So, uh, yeah, she took Bactrim, which is just a, an antibiotic. You, you may have taken it before. It's a pretty, like, common antibiotic. And uh, apparently, after... Now, mind you, we were in the hospital for four days trying to figure this out. We had four infectious disease doctors looking her over. We had around-the-clock surveillance, you know, uh, or surveillance, excuse me, and uh, <clears throat> supervision... Surveillance, one of the two. And, uh, yeah, she had, um, like I said, four infectious disease doctors poking in, trying to figure out what's going on. They talked about doing a spinal tap. She also had an extreme headache. I don't know if, mm -hmm. she, I don't know if you mentioned that. Um, and then the stiff neck. And they thought she may have had meningitis, but all of them agreed she didn't have meningitis. And that's whenever they came up and realized we had the one, the main infectious disease doctor come in and say that, what they feel is she had an allergic reaction to Bactrim, which brought on a septic meningitis, which is basically meningitis, like the inflammation of these things called the meningi in the back of your neck, the thing that gets infected when you have meningitis. But she didn't actually have a legitimate infection. And so all of this was from a basic UTI where her body just went nuts, reacting negatively to a medicine. But... Mind you, it took us five days in the hospital to finally. We didn't actually really, they didn't give us a diagnosis until the day before we left. So on the mm -hmm. fifth day, they gave us that diagnosis. It had been four nights, five days, and we finally had this thing to hold on to. And uh, it was terrifying. It was really terrifying to watch your, the night we got in uh, to the ER. Um, I don't even know if you remember this or not, Elaine, but Elaine was laying on the bed. And she was hurting so bad. Her body was reacting so negatively uh, to this medicine or what have you that she would lay there and she would just say, Cody, Cody, Cody. And then she'd start praying to God. I, I couldn't make out what she was praying. And she'd say, oh, God, please, Cody, Cody. And, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that every night we were in the hospital, I would wake up five or six times a night outside of the them coming in and checking her vitals and all these things, uh, having a nightmare about the fact that my wife was laying in that bed and I couldn't do anything about it. And it was absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I've never faced, you know, I've, I've been with, with Elaine when she was kept over before and there was fear and it was helpless. You feel helpless and you feel... Uh, worthless and like the world's falling apart. But this time around, not only was she in the hospital, she's also in extreme pain.
Before she had flu-like symptoms, she was achy. She had a little bit of a fever, but that all subsided reasonably quick. It was right after I took all the antibiotics and all the medicine and fluids. They had me. It pretty much like went away the first time. Mm-hmm. But this time around, the fact is, like we're at uh, the most state-of-the-art hospital in Arkansas. You know, this is where they teach people. This is like the hospital. It's UAMS. It's a school, the University of Arkansas of Medical Science. Like, she has a whole team of doctors, four infectious disease doctors, looking her over, and they're all debating what could possibly be going on. And it's so scary because I'm sitting there. And everything starts coming to your mind. As a husband, uh, I feel like a failure because uh, there's literally nothing I can do but pray. And praying was so hard. Well, and even at one point, like, I started doubting God that if he would even heal me, like, I wasn't, like, I was just in so much pain. I had thoughts of, is God even going to heal me? Why am I in this situation? Is this it? Like, all this stuff that I've been working towards, like, why am I here? Yeah. And and so I was sitting there. And, like, you start doing the thing where you start trying to, to, to look up and try to figure out what's going on. You just want answers. That's the hardest part. You're laying there and you just want answers because the doctors can't give you answers. The doctors aren't able to give you answers. Every time they come in, all they can do is check vitals, give more medicine, uh, treat the symptoms, but there's no progress being made because they don't know. They would come in every day, and I literally had two infectious disease doctors look at me and shrug their shoulders and say, we don't know. We don't think it's meningitis. Uh, We don't think it's um, all UTI stuff. We literally don't know. One of the scary parts is... They didn't know what I had, and so they didn't know what to treat me. And so they right. were just giving me all these different medicines because they thought it was this thing. They thought it was this, like, they would come in and say, well, this medicine, this medicine should have helped you. And, like, that's not something that you want to hear is, yeah. oh, this medicine that is supposed to kill off this and this and this isn't doing anything, and you need something stronger. Like, that's not. Well, and they put you on three or four different antibiotics. I think it was three different uh, IV uh, antibiotics. Well, they at one you... point I had both ha- both arms hooked up to an yeah. idea at once. And uh, they had you on um, an antiviral. They had you on tons of fluids. They had you on nausea medicine, stomach medicine. Potassium. Uh, they had you on potassium. Like, I'm telling you, they had her on, you know, 30 different bags of stuff over the course of six days. Tons of fluids just trying to get your body to fight whatever was going on in it. And... The reason we're talking about this today, obviously, I mean, it's this is Sunday afternoon we're recording, and uh, you got home a few days ago, Wednesday, Wednesday, and it's just been it's been a crazy week, and we're taking the time. We said we're gonna do this podcast. We're still here and we're still doing it, uh, but mostly because I want to talk. Now that we've talked about what happened. I want to talk about what we learned. And the first thing I want to mention is how fear is a liar. When you're sitting in those situations, you think about how about how much you don't deserve it. You know, uh, my wife does not deserve to be laying in a hospital bed from an allergic reaction to medication to medication that's supposed to be helping her fight an infection. My wife doesn't exert, you know, doesn't deserve the infection she had in the first place. 
you know, she and I waited till marriage to have sex. And then right after we got married, she contracted a kidney infection, which was completely like, you know, had no, um, had no symptoms whatsoever. Uh, and so we didn't even know she had like a UTI in the first place to go and, and check for a kidney infection. And then she had this and you feel like you're being punished for doing the right thing. And then here we are again. It's been a year and a half since she's had any trace of, of urinary tract, anything. It's been that long. And here we are fighting this again. And this time around, there's something else that's fighting even harder against her. And you feel helpless and you just want to pray, God, why? Why am I facing this? Why is my wife laying here fighting for her life? Why am I having to sit here and suffer alongside her? Why is she hurting? Why is she uh, just being tore down when we are doing everything we can for you? We're doing everything we can to try to do good in this world. Why are we fighting the bad? And the fear starts coming over you. What if this is it? What if all those promises that you feel like God made to you were a lie? And Satan comes in. Now I'm going to get spiritual on this. Satan comes in, you know, dressed like a lawyer, basically, and starts telling you the ifs, the ands, the whats. You know, what if? What if, uh, what if you lose your wife, Cody? What if all that you thought you and her were going to do together, all the things you honestly, sincerely felt God was telling you to do together, what if maybe that was just something y'all made up and that's not meant to be? What if, uh, what if her time has come? What if it's all your fault and you shouldn't have been married in the first place and you caused all this? If you would have never been married... You know, maybe she would have never had these infections to begin with. And you sit there and you start bearing the weight. You know, as a husband, I'm speaking specifically, like I didn't have to go through the physical pain, but I sat there and began to bear the weight of of my wife's mortality, something that, that we can't even control. But Satan wants to pick it up off off of that cross and lay it on your shoulders and make you carry it because he wants to weigh you down. And for three, three nights, three of the five nights we were there, I let that happen. I worried. I dreaded. I, I would look at her and every terrible uh, fear would try to hit my brain. And I honestly thought I might lose my wife. Her heart rate was staying up. Her heart wouldn't calm down. Everything was fighting with her and fighting with her, and the medicine just didn't seem like it was working at all. One day, her white blood count went down. The next day, it went back up. And it was heart-wrenching, to be really honest. It was really heart-wrenching. And I would call people, and I would talk to them and say, please, like, give me, you know, please pray, please pray, please pray. But one night I realized I'm asking all these people to pray. But what what am I doing? Am I giving God an opportunity more or am I giving fear more? And I realized I was giving more to fear than I was to God. And so 
Elaine was asleep. She had just been throwing up uh, quite a few times that night. And uh, I just got my phone and I put on worship music, which is something I haven't done in, in a long time. And <laughs> I'm a, you know, I've, I've served most of, my, most of my life as a worship pastor. And I just, I, I'll be honest, I haven't picked that up in a while. And I picked it up and I began to walk back and forth across that room. And I told God my frustrations. I told him my fears, but then I told him, but you're bigger. And I thanked him for the healing that my wife was receiving in Jesus' name. And it was hard because they would come in and her blood pressure may still be bottomed out. Her fever may not have went away instantaneously, but I had to keep walking and keep praying. She may have gotten nauseous again, but I had to keep rebuking in the name of Jesus. And over and over, I had to walk and pray and no matter what anyone else said or did, it didn't change. No matter what the doctors said, no matter what uh, family would say or the questions that would get asked or the comments that would be made, I had to keep myself focused on God because I knew the doctors didn't have the answer. And so I had to keep faith because God made those promises and he doesn't go back on what he says. He doesn't go back on what he says. Elaine, you want to add anything here? Um, I don't remember which night it was. It wasn't my last night. It may have been the night before um, when we had a family friend come and pray over me. And I was really all the anybody who came and saw me or tried to talk to me and asked me how I was. Like I was just completely out of it for about four out of the six days we were there and um like one of the hardest parts was when everyone's asking you well, what's wrong how do you feel and you don't know exactly how to explain the same symptoms you keep having over and over and nothing's changing and one night we had um one of our family friends come over and come pray with me and um, I don't honestly remember half of what he said because I was so out of it, but the thing that kept coming back to me was that I wasn't bound and that I wasn't bound to the hospital bed that I had, just the walls that I'd been staring at and not being able to go outside, that I wasn't bound to the two IVs that were in my arms and just that I wasn't bound to the sickness and that I was going to be healed and that I was going to be healthy and that I was going to do all the things that we felt God has called on our lives. And um, that was just something that I kept holding on to was that I wasn't bound. And um, I think that was probably my one of my shifting points of realizing that God was actually going to heal me. And even the doc some of the doctors even said, like, sometimes you never really know what's wrong with you and your body just fights whatever it is and you're okay and I know that the doctors aren't they're still not even 100% sure with what was wrong with me they think that I had the allergic reaction but nobody really knows what was going on and I can't really worry about that because if I'm not bound to it then it doesn't matter what it was or what it wasn't or whatever all I know is that I'm healed and that's just something that that keeps getting that I keep reminding myself 
Fear is like a fish hook. You know, you're going this direction. You feel like you're going the right way. You're living your life for Christ. You're doing everything you can, or maybe not even everything, but you're doing you're doing good in this world. You're living for Christ and you're fighting. You're fighting your way forward. And fear is like a fish hook. Sometimes it comes in the form of bait that we take. Sometimes it just snags us in the side. But once it has its hook in, if you leave it there, it's going to keep pulling you back. And you're going to keep fighting and pushing and pushing and pushing for everything in you. Everything in you, you're going to be giving it 110%, exhausting yourself to death. But you're going to keep moving backwards because there's a line tethered, reeling you backwards away from where you need to be going. And every time we allow that, and I'm not telling you it's 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 an easy thing to not allow fear. That I'm telling you, the first three nights, I was reeled so far back away from my faith. But when you're put in those situations, those vice grips of life, sooner or later, what's in you is going to come out. And so if you want to fight that fear, if you're in those positions right now where you're having to fight fear, make sure you're putting good in. Because that's what's going to come out. When push comes to shove, that's what's going to come out. Yes, I had fear bubbling over, but once all the gunk got pulled out of me, I realized down deep in me there was still a lot of faith. And guys, when you're hurt, if church has hurt you, if church has scarred you, if Christianity has hurt you in any way, sometimes it can feel hard to have good down in you or to put those good things back in you. It gets really hard, and we've talked about this before in some in some of our podcast episodes. It gets hard to distinguish church hurt from God hurt. It gets hard to distinguish uh, the facts of God from the crazy stuff that we, you know, that we talk about the the dogmatism and the the things that want to bog us down. You know, I, I completely lost hope in God as a healer. I completely lost hope in God uh, through worship and forgot the importance of those things. But when push came to shove, those things started coming back up. And whenever I started acting on them again, I realized this isn't just crap that church teaches. This is real. It's real and it has a place in our lives. And it's important. We have a Savior who enjoys worship. And we we call it worship where it's, oh, we're adoring our King. But it's not just worship because he's not he doesn't demand worship from us because he wants someone to glorify him he demands it because it gets us with him he wants to be with us and he wants to hear us and we have to get through all the muck and the crap and get to him to the heart of Christ because he is a healer he can do mighty works he can bash fear he can bruise the head of the serpent that's nipping at your feet and it's hard because humans humans are sinful and humans are geared towards thinking about things that are human and healing is supernatural and the human brain doesn't work towards supernatural it works toward natural and logical it wants to and so whenever 
Elaine is sick in the hospital. I naturally want answers from doctors. I want tangible things. And I disguise it like, oh, I just want to know what I'm praying towards. But that's not it at all. It's because I'm putting my faith in man. And here it is. Man is failing me. State-of-the-art technology is failing me. I think we live in a time where we have wisdom and knowledge beyond that of our ancestors. But obviously not. We're still here scratching our heads, wondering for days. And I had to realize in those moments that God's wisdom runs so much deeper than man's. God's ability runs deeper than man's. Yes, God uses doctors. Yes, God gives them wisdom. God gives them knowledge. Our friend, when he was there praying, that was one of the prayers he said is give them a fresh mind in the morning to, to diagnose this and look at this from a new light and catch what they're missing. And that next morning they did. But what we have to realize is just because we don't have a human answer doesn't mean God doesn't have an answer. Just because we don't have an understanding doesn't mean that God doesn't have an understanding because his understanding is far outweighed than what ours is. And sometimes we may not want to know the truth. Sometimes if we really knew the truth, maybe it would scare us away from, from our faith even more. But God is there. And he's doing things. We just have to give him the time of day. And there's so much baggage we carry around with us. And it's not easy laying it down. It's not easy to trust God. It's not easy to trust God because we can't physically see him walking in the room and checking, checking her vital signs. We can't see him physically pumping medicine into her, but as they take her blood to scan it, I had to pray, God, that's your blood they're checking, and your blood doesn't have sickness in it. And whenever her heartbeat would get irregular, I had to sit there and fight the fear and say, God, let her heart beat with yours, which is in perfect rhythm. God, her heart is your heart, and it has to beat in perfect rhythm. And I know that if you've been in church, sometimes that might sound, uh, that might get to where it sounds cliche or, or corny even, but that's the truth. It's throughout the New Testament when God would touch, people would touch the hem of his robe and be healed. God wants you to have life. And I'm not trying to preach a healing sermon here. That's not what we're trying to say. More than anything, it's faith over fear. Because where fear runs deep, faith runs deeper. Where fear is great, faith has the opportunity to be greater. And we have to make the mental shift away from thinking of fear as the end-all be-all and realizing that the greater the fear, the bigger the opportunity for God to show himself faithful. And it's not easy. It's hard. Because the brain doesn't want to think about it. It doesn't want to put faith in something that doesn't seem tangible. It doesn't want to to be able to stop thinking and relax. It wants to overthink everything. But there is peace in God. And it's not fake. And it's not... It's not... Um, it may look a little different than, 
to each person. It may be specific to who they are and their relationship with God, but those aren't fake promises. God's promises don't get rewrote. When we, when Elaine and I got married, I knew there were things that God had set us apart to do. I knew that we needed the time to do them, and I knew our time wasn't up, but Satan would sit there and say, Cody, you know, she's going to end up back in the hospital. This isn't over. You're going to be here for a while. This may be it. And I had to realize, and he would even come to skies where I couldn't even tell if it was God's voice. I couldn't even distinguish, is this God? Am I trying to, is God trying to prepare me? But then I had to remember, God doesn't go against his promises. Just like whenever uh, Jesus was in the desert and Satan came and tempted him, throwing scripture at him, and Jesus basically said, you are bastardizing the scripture. That isn't what it means. Let me tell you what it means. Let me show you the truth behind your lies. Satan is a mockingbird. He only manipulates. He manipulates everything to get his way, even the voice of God at times. And so when those moments come, you have to silence your brain because it's not capable of interpretation anymore, and you have to focus on the promises at hand, the promises that God has given, because that's the only way to see truth. Elaine, you have anything? Something that you said the other day of, um, well, Satan had those six days, but God, you know, has like well more over than that time. And I said that I wasn't going to give Satan the glorification for even having those six days, because in those six days, we had some of our best worship moments and coming to Jesus meetings. And that's not something that Satan can arrange, you know, and I know without a doubt that Satan is going to attack us even harder now and in different ways in different areas but he can't get to my health and he can't get to us mentally and that's just something that part of me is like be aware of that or watch for that but then at the same time like that's a good thing because we're in like we're walking with God and doing the things that God has called us to do and like being a Christian isn't easy well, no, and I feel guilty because I let my guard down. You know, I have, these last few months, I have let my guard down. You know, and I will be honest, and I will say I have let my guard down. And my faith, not my faith, not my relationship with Christ, but some aspects of who God is, you know, my worship and things like that have kind of dwindled to an ember. But this whole scenario has, you know... I'd say throw gal- like throwing a gallon of gas on a fire, but it's not that at all. It's it's more like uh, wrecking the tanker truck <laughs> into the little ember and exploding. You know, like my faith has just boomed, and I remembered like, wait, there's truth to this. You know, we can get bogged down, and and even running this podcast, it's hard because we're talking about the hard to talk about topics. We're talking about some stuff that's not easy, and sometimes we're talking about problems. You know, but when push comes to sh- to shove. God is God, and he supersedes the problems. He supersedes those areas. And yes, it's good for us to talk and wise for us to talk, but we have to hold on to the truth too. You know, Otherwise, we back ourselves out of, out of, in an essence, out of grace. Not that we can 
escape God's grace, but we back ourselves away from from his grace, you know. And where Satan saw this, you know, I can only imagine when Satan watched Jesus being nailed to the cross, how he probably laughed at himself and said, I finally won. All the while, it was all just a a, a Ponzi scheme for, for God to steal the keys of death away from him, you know. And I feel like that's the same thing he's probably doing here is he's looking and he said, I see she's going down. I'm about to tear her down and him too. I'm taking out two, two for one right here. And not to mention how many others with the family and friends I'll take out with. I'm about, to, I'm about to stifle faith everywhere. And God said, oh yeah, we'll watch this. And in reality, all he did was make a bigger bonfire to burn brighter. And this, God uses circumstances for his glory. And something that with all this, you know, we haven't had to deal really with health problems and over a year and a half, and um, and so that's not something that we think about or whatever, but whenever, it was a couple days after I got home, and as soon as I got home, I just wanted to do, like, all the things that I couldn't do while I was there. I wanted to go shopping. I wanted to go walk around, and even though I didn't have all the energy, I, st- I wanted to go out and do stuff and be around people, and something that kind of caught up both of us off guard is that couple that we that you had talked to at sam's yeah you you want me to say it okay uh we we were at sam's doing shopping for our business and we loaded up all of our stuff at the car we pulled the car up front and loaded up all of our stuff and there was an elderly couple uh loading up their car and i looked at elaine and and normally i'm not an observant person in this like I, i like to think that i at least have something of that in me but i'm not typically the most observant to other people around me sadly and i saw them and something caught me just the the frame of mind we've been in and everything something caught me and i was like elaine should i go help them load their car and elaine's like yeah i, I really feel that's something you should go and do and so i got out i'm holding up traffic and everything i don't even care i get out and i walk over and i just like start grabbing stuff and putting it in their truck and the the wife looks at me and she just says, thank you so much. She said, uh, I don't know why I'm saying this really, but my husband was just diagnosed with cancer and it's terminal. They gave him 20 months to live and we just left the hospital, found that out. And my heart was shattered. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I said, and, and they were trying to leave and get stuff ready, so we didn't really have much time, but... I said, just know that uh, I'm praying for you and that God is a good God. And and I said, uh, you know, I just got out of the hospital with my wife as well. And I just want you to know that I'm praying for this situation. And she said, thank you so much. And, and they got in their truck and left. And it, it made me realize, like, even through all this we went through, it changed our mindset to be aware because what we went through was bad. <clears throat> but finding out your husband is terminally ill with cancer is worse. Mm. You know, in the, in the in the humanity side of things. There are people all around us every day. We pass by dozens, dozens a day who are going through the most uh painful, horrific time of their life. And when we have those moments where when we allow God to 
to work in us, when we allow to keep ourselves close to his grace, close to him, when we beat out the fear, it helps us to see those people and to be a light in their life too. Well, and I think this whole situation, like finding that out through this random couple, just a couple of days after me getting out, just kind of made me more, I feel like I am an aware, like awareness. Or, yeah. Yeah. You have an awareness about it. Yeah. I have yeah. awareness about people. And like, I, I've often tried to, you know, driving by people, like I just put my, like I try to put my feet in their shoes and just kind of think about, well, what could they be going through? And like, I just, sometimes I see random people in the cafeteria at school or something and I just start crying. Like I, I feel like I have this something in me that just sees people and just, you know, thinks I wonder what they're going through, like the relationships that they have or don't have and what's strained in their life. And I just randomly pray for people and um, seeing this couple made me even more in tune to that and even more realizing like everybody is fighting something and it may ne- it may not necessarily be that they're fighting physically at the hospital for their life or an infection or an allergic reaction or whatever but everybody is going through something and or has gone through something or is about to go through something yeah and being in a place of desperation for what may have seemed like for a week that may have seemed you know the longest time like there are people you know who find out like they're gonna die you know they know you know about how much time they have left and stuff and it just kind of makes me more aware of like all the stupid pettiness drama that we that we put up with and And we allow to get yeah allow to get under our skin yeah and it just makes you like see people almost kind of what brian what brian was saying on our last podcast is that you see people for who god sees them and like you just have a completely different like your paradigm shifts when you see these people because you see them as god sees them you see them as a fellow brother or sister and it just makes you want to lend out a hand especially after you've been going through something and it just makes you more aware of if I could have gone through this weird random thing, like, what are these people going through? And I think that we need to be aware of those things and look for cues. And if we get an inkling to help somebody put their groceries away in their car, like, jump on that. Yeah. You know, that's like there's a reason you feel that. If you feel the need to pray over some stranger in the cafeteria at school, like go do that. Yeah, I think that this whole thing can be summed up with just where there is fear, there is a bigger opportunity for faith. And to do our best to try to see other people's needs as well and to realize that God is bigger despite the hurt despite the drama despite you know church abuse or in and out of church whatever your circumstances with church whatever your relationship is with Christianity realize that God is bigger Jesus is bigger 
and that we have to hold on to him and keep him close because his wisdom is far greater than our understanding. Do you have anything else you want to say, Eli? Guys, I know this episode's been different. I'm uh, sure it probably sounds a bit different. I'm not even going to listen to it. I'm just going to post it up there. Um, But I really hope you got something out of it. I know it's more preachy than we've been before, but I am a preacher, and Elaine is a a writer, so that may come out at some point, I guess. Uh, I'm not going to worry about the outro stuff. If you want to come find us, find the information below hey guys be brave be bold and be reckless we'll talk soon